Thank you for listening to the Revivify Church podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and speaks to you from wherever you're listening. How many of you want your homes, your families blessed? Okay, I saw three or four hands, so the rest of us want it cursed. How many want our homes and families to be blessed? All right. See, some of y'all thought I was fixing to go in about giving. That's why you didn't raise your hand. Of course not. None of us want to have our families cursed. None of us want to have our homes cursed, but, but we want to have our families blessed. But often what we see is struggling families, more and more blended families, single parents who are struggling to raise children, Marriages that are not what they could be, uh, families that are financially strapped, no matter what good decisions they make, no matter what moves they make, they just can't seem to, to get to an end. And so what we're going to do through this series starting last week and this week and next week is I want to, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 5, what is known as the Beatitudes. Now I told you this year that God was moving upon me to teach more than I preach. Uh, I struggle with that because I love to preach. I love to get after it. I love to tear holes in the walls and rip up carpet. And I love to make a mess of things. But the Lord has told me I need to teach more than I preach, that we have incredible preachers around here, and you're going to hear a lot more from them. Um, We are, just so you know, when we finish this series, we are going to go into a series starting March, the first Sunday March. We're going to open back the series again, The Outpouring. And here's, here's what happened. We started the outpouring series when April was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And that kind of put me at halt. In fact, I didn't preach for about three weeks. I had to shut my series down and left my notes aside and, and tended to her needs and all that we were going through with that. And it was Preston that sent a word via text, I think, to us talking about how he felt that that was a, a ploy of the enemy to stop us from experiencing the outpouring that we needed to experience. And so I said, okay, that, that makes all the sense in the world to me. And, and, and I, I probably should have read the text to you, but the, the whole point of it is, is that we're going to go back into that series. At the end of that series, Pastor Tony Suarez is going to be with us on March 22nd. He's going to preach a 10 a.m. service, and then we're going to return. We're going to come back here for a 5 p.m. service where we're going to experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives in that service. It is not something you want to miss. I've already got several churches that have told me they are coming. They are bringing their people. So what I'm trying to tell you is get here first or they'll take your seats. Okay? And that's fine. We'll sit on the floor. We'll pack this place out. Anybody that's connected to the fire marshal will not be allowed in service that day. Just kidding. Just kidding. But... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll, if we have to, we'll set up chairs outside here and we'll, we'll make it happen. But we are going to experience a move of God and I believe that's coming. Pastor Rodney is going to help me teach and preach on this series uh, coming in March. And so it's going to be something you do not want to miss. All right, so let me get back into where we're going here. Even if you are not married at this moment, uh, this is going to be good stuff that you can follow away because you're not going to want to miss this because why you're going to want a blessed home you're going to want a blessed marriage in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 now keep in mind of what we just got through singing blessed are those 
who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, or as the King James would say, they shall be filled. Fill me up, Lord. I want you to understand something that right from the get-go, that this verse of Scripture was written as a promise. So why is it then that so many homes are not blessed or living what we would call a blessed life? Now, here's a quick answer. Because we're filling our lives with so many things that just don't matter. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. What you worship determines what you hunger for. And how do you determine what you worship? Let me ask you this. What do you spend most of your time trying to attain or obtain? Now, in light of that, what do you worship? Do you worship education? Do you worship sports? Do you worship material things? Because none of those things are real blessings. So let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask you a series of questions today for you to ponder and consider. And that is, in your home, what do you hunger for? In the last seven days, what would you be characterized as pursuing? Wealth? Fame? Another vacation? Another trip? Another bonus? What would you be characterized as having pursued? For some, it's pretty simple to see because you've taken so many selfies of yourself that you broke Instagram. Some are so into being liked that you cannot stop talking about yourself and how awesome you are and your life is on social media. For some, they're living out their popularity dream through their kids. Traveling teams, this team, that team. Well, you know, little junior, little princess, they're so good. I'll never forget, I had a friend of mine one time. This was back when Devin and Jason were extremely small, very little. I, Devin was, I don't know, eight or nine years old, I think. And this friend of mine, we're sitting down at, at a huddle house, and he says, why don't you let Devin play on some teams, some sports teams? I said, well, he does at school. He's in soccer. No, I'm talking about the rec leagues with the county. I said, well, because they play on Wednesday nights, and they generally have traveling teams that play on Sunday. Well, what's wrong with that? I said, well, I want my son to understand that God comes first before sports. Yeah, but he's really good at this. And that. I said, I know he is. At 10 years old, he was out driving me the golf ball. And I said, let me ask you this. I said, because I like the results I'm getting from my son and daughter. But what about you? Your kids play on sports teams. Your kids travel, ball. They do this, they do that. But I see that your struggle is you can't hardly get them to church, but yet you want me to put my son in that same situation. So let me ask you this question. How many, let's be honest, actually pursue righteousness? 
Why is it so hard not to pursue the things that just don't matter in our life? Again, I'm asking a lot of questions today that I want you to consider, I want you to think. Well, preacher, are you saying that, that, that sports are wrong? Oh, absolutely not. Trust me, I would not say that in the South. We love our sports. We love our football. But why is it so hard to not pursue the things that just don't matter? It's because our appetites are all wrong. You see, who likes sweets? Just, just the, the word sweets, it just, it just rolls off, huh? Sweets. Who loves chocolate? Culver's banana split with extra caramel sauce drizzled all, just running over. Culver's always gets mad at me because I asked for extra hot caramel sauce, and they said, you know this is going to melt the ice cream. I said, I don't care, lady. I've been eating it for 48 years. Give it to me! Did I not? That's very true. I did tell her. I said, stop, stop trying to rain on my shine with my extra caramel sauce. And so now, well, before I changed my ways, I was known as the guy with extra caramel sauce. I would show up and they would literally see my truck and they'd go, that's him. Go ahead and make it now. One day I didn't ask for it and they're like, no extra caramel sauce? I said, shut up. I'm trying to take a diet here. Just, just leave me alone. But no, the fact is, is that we, the, the more we eat of that stuff, right, physically, now physically speaking, the more we eat of sugar, the more we want of, right? So the more social media we take in, the more social media we want to take in. You see, because if you change the appetite, then you change what you crave, because the, the more that stuff you take in, next thing you know, you start comparing yourself to others. Because what you see on Instagram and Facebook is not their real life, by the way. Because the moment they hit send on Instagram about that beautiful headshot or wherever they're at in the Caribbean or wherever it might be in Augusta, Georgia, and they just always seem to be eating at the finest of places. Listen, number one, they charge on a credit card that's almost maxed out. And they don't have the money to pay it back. Okay? Their life's a mess because the moment they hit send, then they looked at their spouse and went, Bleh. Okay? So it, it's not, that's not real life, folks. It's just, it's just not. So we fall into a comparison trap because the more, and then, then when we buy more stuff, then we fall deeper into that comparison trap. Why? All because our appetites are wrong. Pursue God first and watch what happens. Next thing you know, you find yourself being led by the Spirit and not by our natural appetites. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His what? Righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Can, can I say it in this way? If you seek God first, then He can trust you to add that stuff to you. So when we busy ourselves with seeking Him and His righteousness, we don't have to worry with adding to our lives because He does it for us. Let me ask you this. What is the role in your home? Do you know? It's to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst. What is, and what does God do? He fills us. 
It says, for they shall be filled. So it's an absolute promise. If you hunger and if you will thirst for righteousness, I can promise you, you will get satisfied. It is an absolute promise. Imagine a family filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you imagine what our families would be like if we were full of the fruit of the Spirit? And by the way, don't ever say, well, I have one of the fruits. There's no such thing as plural fruits. Excuse me. That wasn't tongues, by the way, just in case anybody was wondering. There's no such thing as a plural fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit. You can, so what is that saying? You can't have one without the other. Well, I have meekness, but boy, I can't stand that guy. No, you don't. You have one or all. One and all, or you get none. Think about that a little bit. All right, so let, let's talk about what doesn't work in our families. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, listen to this. Legalistic Christianity. Reducing Christianity in our homes down to a bunch of do's and don'ts isn't the answer. Here's, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, and don't run with women who do. That never did anything for anybody. Because watch this, watch, write this down. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. That was a lot better than you responded. Watch this. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Why? Because they first got to see the relationship connection in you with God before the rules will ever make sense in their life. So legalistic Christianity in your home doesn't work. Because it's, it's our natural appetites to seek the very thing that we've told we can't have. Just ask Adam and Eve. Number two, the second thing that doesn't work is lukewarm Christianity. What is that? Believing in God but living as if he doesn't exist. That's called cultural Christianity. You know, there's so many gray areas, you know. It's just, I don't know. There's no absolute truth, you know. But see, that's always said by someone who's trying to get out of something and living for God. Here's, an, here's some indicators of a hot, red relationship with God. Watch this. You pray with your family. You'll sit in a movie and you'll absolutely walk out because of the stuff they show on there. You'll share Bible verses with them and discuss it with them. You will invest time with them in the church and not just show up on Sunday and sit. Getting quiet in here. Revelation 3.16 says, So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So let's talk about what does work. Write this down. We are not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home. You see, if you call yourself a duck, you quack like a duck, but if you don't lay eggs, you're not a duck. Psalm 63, 1. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Now, let's say it like this. You, God, are our God. Earnestly, we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. 
See, too many of us have just Jesus as a part of our lives and not the center of our lives. You see, parents, it's our jobs to help our families see God as loving, approachable, and a God that's involved in our life. And not just on Sunday. See, we'll leave here today and we'll never think about God again. Unless we got more month than money at the end. We're supposed to create an environment where our kids want to have discussions about God. So it's not something they feel they have to do, but something they get to do. Let me give you five ways to create hunger in your home. You need to be writing these down. Number one, involve God in your daily conversations. It's pretty simple. Just involve Him in your daily conversations. Talk, talk to your kids. Talk to your family. How blessed God has been to you. How blessed, what a blessing God's been, been to you. What a blessing living for Him. You know what? I was reading the other day in this, and man, this just spoke to me, and blah, 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 blah. When's the last time your kids caught you on your knees praying instead of laying on your back, clicking the remote? Involve your family in daily conversations about God. Number two, it's going to get tight in here. You'll buck your seatbelt. Here we go. Make church non-negotiable. Well, I expect a preacher to say that. If if you have no problem taking Junior to their game or an event on Sunday, then more than likely you have no problem with killing any chance that they want to be a part of the church. I'm not saying this to put accolades on April 9th. I'm just saying this because I want you to know it works. We never let our kids play ball or any kind of sports or any kind of secular activity that required them to be gone on Sunday or Wednesday service for youth. We just didn't allow it. And today, they're doing so good, I'm about ready to retire. Too young for that. But you get my point. We have parents who will fuss and complain to bring their child five miles to the church or 10 miles, whatever it might be, to come to a youth event or fuss about the money it takes to go to a forward conference or some kind of youth convention, fuss and complain about it. In fact, we've had parents refuse absolutely to do it, but they have no problem paying $1,500 for a uniform and sports fees and take them across state lines any given time it's needed. We've gotten it all backwards. And then when they become 15, 16, 17, 18 years old and they don't want anything to do with God or the house of God, you're going, I don't know what to do. I don't know how this happened. And as pastors, we're going, I know. But at that point, we, we would be jerks to say, I told you so. But I'm telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, my, my junior, he, he, he going to be a pro. 
you realize that for any one person to become a professional golfer, it's one in 120,000. And there's not 120,000 people trying to become golfers. So it, it takes years and years and years. It just doesn't happen. We think it does because that's what we highlight in our country, sports figures. But it just doesn't happen. So number one, involve them in your daily conversations. Number two, make church non-negotiable. Number three, show how seeking and serving God is fun. You know, I never told my daughter not to have sex before marriage. Because when you're seeking the one who's good, you don't have to tell them how to be good. It happens. You see, we think it's weird today for a 17, 18, 19 year old girl to have never kissed a man. Really? Oh, so having a daughter that has slept with eight different men, I mean boys by age 18, is normal? Or having a son who engages in porn and then victimizes women for the rest of his life as sexual tools of pleasure. You see, we applaud parents when they make their kids wear helmets to ride bikes and elbow pads and knee pads and, and send them, you know, make sure, now make sure you look both ways and across the street. We applaud those kind of parents. We applaud parents that, that will vaccinate their children because we don't want any disease to come on. But let a parent tell a child, no, you're not dating until you're ready to get married. And wait, what? That's weird. Or let a parent ask their child to see their phone and social media accounts and go back into it. All of a sudden, that's an invasion of their privacy. That's weird. Then give me weird. Give me weird. Number four, lead toward Christ-centeredness. Mom and dad, it's your responsibility. They're not going to find their way on their own. You've got to lead them to Jesus every day of their life. And this is how it happens right here. Watch this. Stop being selfish. When you got pregnant, selfishness went out the door. Stop being selfish. Listen, Malachi 2. Verse 15, God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest of details of marriage. And what does God want from marriage? Children of God, that's what. Stop, number five, watch this. Stop being a Christian family. You heard me right. Watch this. Stop being a Christian family and start being a Christ family centered family. You see, a Christ-centered family chooses godly activities over secular every time. A Christ-centered family chooses to give to God before you spend on anything else. A Christ-centered family, simply put, makes God a priority in their life. C.S. Lewis said this, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I'm that I was made for another world. 
1 Timothy 6, 11, we have Paul instructing Timothy. He says, oh, man of God, flee these things. Talking about all this junk, this whole litany of things that were horrible. He says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, steadfastness, and gentleness. If you want to improve your marriage, if you want to improve your parenting, if you want to improve every portion of your life, then pursue righteousness. Again, Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. What can I, where can I go? Or when can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. Well, people say to me all the day long, where is your God? David was so hungry and thirsty for God. He said that his very soul longed for communion with God. And that more than ever, it is important that you and I as parents make sure we do that before our children. If you want godly children. Now, I'm fixing to go real spiritual on you because for those of you that have said in your mind, and I felt this, well, this doesn't really apply to me yet, or at this stage in my life, it's really not me. And some of you have even said in your mind just a few moments ago, this is just not spiritual enough. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So in Malachi 4, God is telling Israel, I'm going to send you a prophet. And here is the end result of this prophetic ministry according to Malachi 4. Verse 6. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the, children of, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now watch this. True New Testament prophetic ministry is about reconciliation and restoration of families. And you thought it was all about giving somebody a word. No, it's not. That's not the meaning of prophecy. That's not what prophecy was intended for. According to Malachi, and Malachi what is the last book of the Old Testament that preceded the, the, the coming of the Messiah. So what's he saying? In order for you to be ready for Jesus to come, we got to put the families back together. We got, oh, come on. We got to turn some things around in our families. Listen to this. Every one of us in this room carries a blueprint within ourselves that can transform our city. Do you know that? Every one of us carries a blueprint in our heart that can transform our city. And that blueprint is to change our city. Our blueprint to change the city is to have healthy families. You see, one and two will divorce in our country. If you're married you have over a 50% chance that you will not be in any given 10-year period. Listen to these stats. 63, 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children come from fatherless homes. 85% of the children who show behaviors of disorders, behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from 
fatherless homes. 75% of all youth in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 70% of youth in state-operated institutions and facilities come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. And this is why we're doing this series. Because strong families matter. How many want a strong family today? Do you really? If we're healthy as families, then we'll have the blueprint to change our city. And that is what church is all about. Church is not about making Revivify great. It's not. But yeah, but you want to grow. Yes, because growth means it's alive. If you're growing, you're living. What's the opposite of living? What's the opposite of growing? <laughs> to bring lasting change to the CSRA, to Augusta, Georgia, our families have to be strong in Him. I want you to stand. There's this thing that we do in the charismatic church. Talking about the church that embraces the spiritual gifts and, and the, the, the fruit and fivefold ministry and, and all that good stuff. We, 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 we do this thing. And that is we focus on all of the fancy gifts. The hikimoshasha, you know, fell on my hand, skin on my knee. Yeah. Buy Honda, sell a Honda. <laughs> we, we, he said, preacher's making fun of those, but no, I'm not. I, I wished you all spoke in tongues. Because it might solve a lot of your problems if you did. Let, let, let me, we, we get so ramped up, so hyped and all the sensational gifts. And we, what we're going to do is then we're going to hold these revival. Revival. Do you understand what revivals are? So we often equate revivals with the end time harvest of new souls. But we, there's a problem with the term. See, whenever I see a church that's holding a revival, I'm saying, well, they're finally coming back to life. They're like, huh? So watch this. To have revival means that you have to bring back to life something that is now dead that used to be living. I'm sorry, but the only people that need revival are those in the church. And this is what I know. 
if we'll have a revival of strong families, we'll see a harvest like we've never seen. Oh, man. You see, we have our, we have our, uh, our bents, right? Some of us went hellfire and brimstone preaching. Haka mahaka. You know what? I can do that with the best of them. Man, when I'm in Rome, I do as the Romans do. You send me into a church that's just, I'm right, I'm right there with them. You send me into a church where if you did that, and they're like, I just talk and minister. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. But some of us think we got to have hellfire and brimstone for you guys. And then there's some who think we've got to have the most perfect programs in the church in order to retain people and keep people. And can I, I'm sorry, but that's consumerism, church. And then there's some who say, well, the church has just got to have plenty of money. We've got to have money to do what we've got to do. We've got to have money, 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 money. Money, money, money. Money. Some of us are showing our age. Please come forward now. Some of us believe it's in being able to recite the Bible. You got to read every day and you got to memorize that thing and you got to be able to recite it. No, too many of us know more of the Bible than we have the ability to obey. I'm sorry. Not really, but yeah, I'm sorry. You see, some of us think it's about being united and unified. No. But when the family becomes Christ-centered, all of those things work. How many want a great church? Then become a strong family in God. Become a Christ-centered family. Become a family that just pursues righteousness with everything you've got. Become that family that says, you know what? I, no, 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 no. God is first. That means if we have to skip an activity, then so be it. God is first, people. And I'm telling you, if the Christian world did that more often, our buildings could not contain the people that will come through the doors. Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 it was a very specific question that he asked the people of Israel after they had gone through the battles and they had whipped every every enemy out there the promised land was finally theirs and the question he asked them is this he said then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve and he says but regardless of what you do as for me and my house we will serve the Lord so what's it going to be today what's your choice going to be today will you show your children that you choose God over everything will will you be that leader in your home that says you know what I'm going to read my word more I'm going to pray a little more 
and I'm going to lead my family to not be a Christian family, but to be a Christ-centered family. it just doesn't matter how well you lead that thing that we're all born into sin and shape with iniquity just sometimes takes over sometimes junior just does stupid <laughs> and, and you go around going prayed till I was blue, blue in the lips. I, I fasted till I had no more belly. It was just backbone. I've, I've given till I can't give anymore. I go to church. I don't miss. But sometimes that happens. And I want, I want you to understand something. According to Scripture says that when we lead our children in a certain way, he says, listen, even when they get old, they'll not depart from it. Sometimes there's an interim period where they mess it all up. But you watch. You've got to promise that they'll make their way back. I just want to encourage somebody in that today. Maybe you're one of the feel like you made the mistake, and I'm here to tell you there's no mistake that you've made that God can't cover and reconcile. Amen? Come on. So will you pursue when we pursue, when I pursue, when I hunger, when I thirst for righteousness, then I I want real families. I want families that don't pursue wealth, but pursue Him and allow the wealth just to be an added benefit. Oh, come on. You're never going to hear me say, come on, give, and you're going to watch your mailbox just fill up with checks. That is a lie from hell. I'm not going to pursue tongues. I'm going to pursue a relationship. Let the tongues be a byproduct. I'm not going to pursue prophecy. I'm going to pursue a relationship with Him and His righteousness and let the prophetic be a byproduct of my relationship with Him. Oh, come on. Come on. I'm going to pursue His righteousness so that my family can be filled. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like to know more, please visit www.revivify.church.